I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Just had a quick question for you guys. If you have been a bit of a gym person or exercise buff, we could call them, <laughs> just someone who wants to get fit, keep fit, what have you guys been doing? I'm still struggling a little bit on it, to be honest, because I loved going to the gym, lifting weights, doing that sort of stuff. Running, yeah, looking at getting into doing body weights, but you know, can't do any pull-up bars, not allowed to go out and touch them, can't buy them. Send me some links of any exercises or suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. At the moment I'm just using bits and pieces to do random exercise. Yeah, if you want to shoot me an email, freddie at curiousemu.com, F-R-E-D-D-I, or Curious Emu on Instagram or Facebook. Well, until next time, guys, and remember, stay curious. Welcome to Curious Emu, where we talk inspiring stories, ideas, and concepts to help you create a lifestyle true to yourself. Hello and welcome to Curious Emu. My name is Freddie Saliba and this is episode 41. Woo! Can you believe it? Hope you guys are surviving and being able to get in your self-care, like exercise. If you're getting into meditation, which I've finally gotten into. Amazing! And being able to socialize, even if it's on Zoom or other sort of online platforms... Just staying connected. I'm here if you'd like, With if anyone wants to get in contact with me, have a chat, I'm always open for that. And if you guys are looking for some other work, like teaching English, I've got the document up, so at curiousemu.com slash teach English. Really great, simple, how to get there nice different way to do and you make some reasonable money that's how my income is at the moment like primary income is teaching english online so pretty amazing but without further ado we'll get into the episode where we're talking with my friend isaac and yeah we talk about his amazing journey from politics to running to his online work all the way to his notary republic work and his kind of take on things obviously with the coronavirus we all want to have a little bit of a chat about that but not too much but yeah obviously still touch on it that's kind of the full rundown but let's go Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, guys. Today I have Isaac Mendrano, who has had quite an interesting career path as he worked in politics for about seven years until he decided to take a different path where he started looking towards what he truly wanted to do and looked at various things from trying to build a running business and then went into online work including drop shipping, digital marketing, teaching English online. I'm sure there's a lot more that I've missed and has recently gotten into the rotary work. So yeah, welcome, Isaac. Thank you for joining me. 
But uh, Freddie, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah. So I guess we can start. Kind of, we'll go back to the the very beginning uh, of at least where I, I got into it. So with the politics, was that something that you kind of always were looking into, or what got you into that world initially? Uh, well, uh, being raised in California, I'm not going to put it. It's just like we're you know pretty much like on top of. I mean, we're top of our game, like, you know, mm-hmm. voting, you know, pretty much, unless you're looking at local elections, it's pretty much, it's going to be whichever incumbent is, is there, whichever party is kind of like, a, has taken stronger root in, in the state. Mm-hmm. But when you look at a national perspective, there are so many different areas of the country where it comes down to a small number of states where the election is really being fought out on a national level. We'll call those swing states. And it was the recall election of Gray Davis, which brought in Arnold Schwarzenegger to be our governor. That election just kind of proved to me that I needed to do more than just vote. And so then I started volunteering and then following, you know, one lead to another. And and then before I knew it, I was like on, I was packing up stuff in my car and taking off to Wisconsin to work on my first campaign. Since I, I love running and I ran in college across country. I like to joke that uh, I gave my best years, my fastest years of running to democracy, <laughs> which is typically the, your, your, your mid-20s to your early 30s. Did you feel that um, with the running part of it, were you like, because you were saying like after that, you got yeah, more into that, the business sort of side of it. And would you have, if you didn't do the politics, would you think you would have gotten more into the becoming an athlete or kind of still... I mean, we'll get into exactly what you did after that, but yeah. Well, um, my undergrad was in exercise and sports science. Ah. So like, so like in my mind, you know, it was like, all right, I'm going to give physical therapy, you know, masters. I yeah. was, I was kind in, of did a 360. Was, yeah, I was yeah. working for a clinic and like in my mind, I was like, you know, I want, I want to coach, I want to train people, I want to do okay. research, yep. you know, this, this fitness, you know, running, I had, to, I had this fitness running dream that, uh, through, you know, again, that same election, flipped everything on its head. And, and then I started seeing that I needed to, I needed to pivot because it, it wasn't going to be sustainable or as sustainable as I, as I thought it would be in when I was long in college. Term or so, yeah. And, and kind of like with my, with my colleagues, you can almost say it's almost like a 50-50 split. Those that stuck with it eventually found a way to engineer their dream life with what they studied in college and, and masters. The rest of us found different paths, very like distinct paths, but we kind of all we just carved out our bit of success during that same point where we had to make a decision. So yeah, I would have totally been going all in on creating that running fitness mobile dream with my exercise science background. Oh, very interesting. But now as running has been the anchor that brings me like flushing out ideas and overall just you know, just keeping me a little bit more level. Because when you, like I have done ultra marathons and sometimes you just, you don't know if, if a funk is going to be something you're going to be dealing with for the entire race or if it just over the next hill, you'll get your second breath, third breath or fourth breath. Yeah, you know? yeah. Over something simple, like adding, like eating some chips would then just turn your energy level around or hearing somebody's story as they kind of give you encouragement sparks of like you know i can do it i have to do it i don't want to wow. i don't want to quit 
And so when you go in times like we're living through now, I heavily lean on the running and the fitness, even if I couldn't physically do it at some point, because yeah. you never know when shelter <laughs> yeah. be extended, you know, and that's fine. But I can still relive those moments, those moments where I question my own role in the race and, and just lean on those mental learnings that oh, I brought out so from each every single event. Do you do running like every day if you can, obviously? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I listen to my body. So five, six days a week. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and then, you know, nowadays is I have a marathon planned out for December 6th in Valencia. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see where we are in the world uh, at yeah. that point in time. <laughs> yep. Uh, but that means there's no pressure right now. So I'm just going out, I'll go run, you know, 45 mm-hmm. minutes to an hour, you know, I'll, I'll zigzag around people. Uh, Finding the streets that have less, that are less populated, you know, less cars, less humans. And then if there are people, then I'll zigzag around them, you know, it's like almost like playing a little video game. You get to a bit of a different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Constant motion, you know. Like. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So did you enjoy doing the, the politics? Obviously, if you got through seven years, you had to enjoy it somewhat. Oh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was an incredible time. I couldn't envision my life without that span of time and working on campaigns and elections. Mm-hmm. I mean, the relationships, I mean, when you see what's on TV and you're like, okay, you can kind of see almost like the, like the movie, The Eyes of March, which kind of like goes behind the screen and just kind of reveals what really happens on campaigns, the sausage making process, how to get to an idea, like the preparing for, you know, on each different phase of the campaign. And also like the people that I met along the way. We look at about like, while there are paid staffers that make the phone calls, knock on doors, recruit people, teach them how to volunteer, build them up in leadership. But then when you see people then take on their own leadership roles in their own neighborhood, that in and of itself right there, that moment when the leader believes in their ability, that is like, quite honestly, like that is what kept me going throughout that span of time. Yeah. Knowing that even if the election didn't turn out the way I would have hoped, but there's now new leaders in each community that we were in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It also makes a bit more sense, like after talking, you know, the other day when we were setting this up, or yesterday, I guess it was, (laughs) other day, and kind of talk not just the politics and we're talking about, you know, the coronavirus stuff, but you've got a very not common sort of approach to things. And I guess it's, having been in the political side of it, you really look at things and delve into them a bit more. And I would presume definitely seven years, you'll be able to understand the politics a lot more and in a ways that, you know, the general public probably could never really understand how everything works completely. But yeah, what would you say would be the, in the general day-to-day life, what do you think you've kind of taken out the most from it? From your time? Well, I, I almost want to say that it's kind of like ruined me for life uh, to a degree <laughs> because I, I'm almost unemployable from that perspective. Because, as in, in, the, you, in, the, in that industry, you mean? Uh, like like out, outside of it. Okay. Yeah, like in, like the, in, the, in the rest of the world. Because, from a perspective of like if, if, I, if I want time, my, you know, you know, my bosses or my supervisor would just be like, organize yourself into that time. Mm-hmm. Because that campaign goes on 24-7, seven days a week. But if you need to do X or Y, 
if I had all my ducks, if I had volunteers making phone calls, volunteers canvassing, you know, captains checking in with me, and I can just report the numbers, then they were like, dude, you're good. If the mm-hmm. campaign keeps moving forward without you being there, that's me organizing myself into the time I needed away. Wow. And that's and, kind of the mentality of, you know, a bit like the, you know, the, the big part of like the four hour work week and the whole idea of the location independent lifestyle of it's not necessarily about the literal hours you put in. It's about the results and really, yeah, that, yeah, the results really, which is such a different way to a lot of people looking at work lifestyle. Totally. When I came back off of the, when I left the campaign trail and working for different employers, the ones that honored the rules were the ones that I thrived in, especially with time off. If by this day you submit your time off, then okay, then there's more, there's a higher percentage rate that I'll get approved for that time off. Okay. It's the ones that even if I followed the rules and then it came back and I was like, oh, well, you're taking too much time off. I was like, well, I followed the rules. I submitted everything. It was approved. What's the issue? Maybe there needs to be a change in policy. But, you know, all right, you know, say la vie. And so when I started seeing that my time was up in trying to move from working at a running store to getting hired and working for a running brand, that's when I started testing out to see if this gig economy could create some more space for me to figure out what are the high demand skills in my area, where I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then what rideshare, again, reinforce, like if I wanted downtime, I created it. If I have X number of dollars to earn in a week to meet the goal for the month, and I put in X time on this day and that day, and then get X number of dollars, then I'm good. And so part of me has always had a little bit of the saver in me, you know, but then also working towards goals and attaining them. And then there's mm-hmm. a, a reward. Exactly. It's so like even now as a, as a mobile notary, like today, I hit my goal for the month yesterday. I was like, sweet. And I hit the high tier goal. It's already in, I put a range, 1701 to 2001, like 2015. I was like, all right, you know what? I am done for the month. I'm taking the rest of the month off. Watch that 31 days. So <laughs> today yeah. is a, you know, yeah, I'm not uh, putting in that type of work energy and I'm doing other stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I know we kind of got onto this before we started recording. What kind of led you from leaving the politics and getting into the running world more work-wise? There, there comes a point where the long hours start to wear. Yeah. You know, and so burnout. And then, I mean, there's one other campaign that we did in Washington, D.C. It was a mayoral race. We worked like crazy. I was part of the Get Out the Vote team. Once the polls closed, my team and I, we all got, we showered and changed. We're going to go to like our candidate's victory party, which we, at first we thought of like, ah, it's going to be a somber night. I think the other guy is going to win because we were like the opposition not the incumbent. And then we saw the first exit numbers and it was just like, holy crap, we actually pulled it off. And then it just became like all on victory mode, celebration mode. Only to a few months later, let's just say the candidate had engaged in stuff that wasn't kosher. And that led him to, I think, his removal of office. And then it was like, man, we helped elect someone. He was doing this other stuff that wasn't kosher. I was like, I was like, hmm. and then it's like, you, then you start looking around. You're like, you know, how many people get into congressional office with a, an alternative in mind? 
yeah. or maybe they get in for the right reasons and then somewhere along the line you know you realize oh that grass over there is made with different material uh, maybe i want some of that grass instead of you know this democracy grass that's so what i was like you know what like i gotta go home I'm, I'm done with this. So then I turned to running. I was like, I was overweight. I was smoking too much. I was drinking too much. I was like 100, almost 180 pounds, around 150 now, quit smoking. And I was like, I, was just, I returned to fitness and, and running and removing all the McDonald's and rubbish food from fast food places yeah. and getting back to rice and beans. And, and I was like, hey, I love running. Why not? And this is a passion of mine. Why not pursue this? And then that turned into, well, what else do I like to do? Let me ask some questions. Let me listen to some podcasts. And, and then that's where the seed about Chiang Mai got planted in as I was doing some Google searching and YouTube searching for like, because I, I mean, because I love to travel and I hadn't traveled anywhere since 2002. And we're looking at 2010 and I'm like, how did this happen? You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. how did I not use my passport in eight years? Right. Uh, yeah, and I know. I, was like, <laughs> I had yeah, definitely those sort of times as well. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like you know, that pursuit of passion led me to wanting to identify what else do I like to do? What else would interest me? I don't know. Well, let me try. And that's yeah. sort of the whole like, you know, living, you know, just doing experiments. Yeah, I love that. Like, uh, and some of my travels have been, I thought was for one reason. Turns out I really needed to go to Chiang Mai, not because of the Digital Nomad Summit, but mm-hmm. I needed to go there because of this other retreat that I spent with 10 days in a plant-based environment where we were looking at ourselves yeah, and, and looking at ourselves through the eyes of others and doing this, like, uh, um, I forget the, the word for it, but like, you know, authentic relating. There we go. That's the phrase. Oh, yeah. And so uh, that retreat there was like, it showed me that how much I wasn't loving myself. And I was like, oh, how can I let somebody else into my life if I'm not even accepting myself where I'm at? So that, that wow. forced me to yeah. dive deeper into I just like, I just dove right in. And I think what we're seeing now is a result of me giving myself a chance to be with me. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, at the end of the day, Freddie, you know, you're the, the number one person you're going to have in your corner for the rest of your life is yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you got to get comfortable with that person. Mm-hmm. I had to get comfortable with that person. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, that's why I needed to go to Chiang Mai. Yeah. And I think there's certain parts of yourself you can obviously like change to an extent, but there's a base you that there's always going to be the base you, you know what I mean? Whether mm-hmm. it's the physical, mental, you know, whatever's there. And yeah, you just have to, that's it. You have to, got, you have to deal with that. Um, I think we all... At some point in our life, you know, we're in denial, always, you know, looking at other people and comparing to other people. And I think probably still always a constant battle sometimes, but being humans, but it's amazing when you can get to that stage, I guess, where you go, yes, I'm actually okay with where, what I'm at. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, and then it's good to, you know, periodically check in and just definitely and make, and make, and make that time, you know? Yeah. How would you do that? How would you check in? Part of it, you know, part of it is just to travel. You know, like I, I rarely, I mean, I, there's, man, this is probably like one trip that I've done in the past two or three years where I purposely went with other people. And even in that trip, I had built a, a portion of it that was going to be solo. Mm, yeah. Do you predominantly but, uh, do solo travel? Or? For the most part. For the most part, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, that trip to Spain in December, 
being part of that Triple B solo. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a friend of mine, one of my old running teammates. Mm-hmm. She now lives in Stockholm. She's oh, part nice. of a new running club. Yeah. And her and 30 of her new running mates are heading to Val- Valencia to do, the, to do the marathon. So there's about three or four of us from the U.S. that are going to go and meet up with her over there. You know, mm-hmm. departing at different times, getting together and, and then uh, making our ways back. I'm trying to think, like, you know, how other ways in, in my daily life do I check in on myself? I was doing some meditation for a while, and that kind of, like, pause. Actually, I have kind of, like, pause on it. But it's almost like uh, even just, like, when I run, I think that, that active meditation there has just kind of taken greater root. Yeah. I mean, actually, thing. now I think about the way you were talking about it before, definitely sounded a bit of that self-reflection you're saying that it's really anchor for you but yeah it makes sense god i'm not i'm not a runner but i still (laughs) i wish i was but i don't know i don't think it that's something that i don't think is here (laughs) (laughs) as much as i but i definitely yeah get that that mentality of it um it's really interesting if if this whole like i mean because right now we're in march end of march my birthday is in july end of july and like ideally like if this whole, if this is, if we're past all this, where, mm-hmm. you know, we can travel and I can book an Airbnb and I'm almost looking at heading up to Mammoth Lakes, which is at altitude. And it's the shoulder season up there because it's just, you know, it's a snow town, ski town. You're just driving out there and just spending a week out there, you know, running at altitude and just, I have a buddy out there that I haven't seen in a while that I used to work with at a running store. So it'd be cool to meet up, have some pizza and beer at, at the pub. Just, just to, just to wind down, just get into getting into like a slower pace of life places, because sometimes the Bay Area, man, it it moves, it's it mm. hustles, it bustles. I mean, I was just thinking the other day, you're almost you're you're competing against titans all mm. the time because tech titans are all over the place, and and and, and it's beyond like the Harvard, the MITs, and you got some really brilliant people that come in from Eastern Europe. Not just in you know in India and China and you know folks that made it out in the Philippines and are coming back over here and they're just sort of like all right let's you know looking for that next challenge, but yeah. then it also creates the opportunities to also like ride that wave and just seeing how much you can handle uh, on this one you know on, on this current wave. But it's it's craziness. So even it's like you know getting away to the Philippines, you know, Iloilo is a smaller city, right? But it's still like probably almost on the same part as, you know, say like Berkeley or Oakland, California, as a population, but it's, it's, a, it's a different pace of life. Yeah, exactly. You wait, you wait more, you walk more, you share space more. It's not like instantaneous at your hands. So it just like, it just for like, oh, okay, I am not in, in the U.S. anymore. Okay, okay, got to observe the local customs you know how do things flow even crossing the street and i get i got my little like pause step going like oh okay i can walk towards the car pause slide through walk again versus here i would just i would just charge on through and just expect the car to stop or else i'm going to sue them funny i I feel like in chile i was more trusting of the people than in australia car wise but But it seems a bit strange when you <laughs> think about it. But yeah, <laughs> but I get definitely get that mentality of like when you're traveling, you definitely think a little bit more. You're always not on edge, but you know, no matter what, how long you. Well, I guess 
that, that does matter. Like if you're there for 20 years or something, but where it's even like a year, you're st- so much to adjust to like little things, big things, whether there's another language in there, sometimes just that pre-planning, but which I personally love about, <laughs> that's what I love about traveling. Like, oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Like, how do I do this? I was yeah. realizing, um, being stuck in this hotel, uh, um, back in Australia, just for people listening, yeah, but got the two weeks isolation in the hostel that's been forced by the government, which aren't, is a good thing. But I feel like I haven't like integrated back in yet. The other day I heard someone out in the corridor and I like checked what it was. Man walked past and I was like, hola. And he's like, hello, mate. I was like, oh, crap. I was just speak like, I was just going to like have a full on conversation in Spanish to him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then like today I was realizing I was like, I don't know, planning out what I was going to say to someone on the phone in Spanish, you know? And then I'm like, well, I don't have to do that. Like I can just speak in English. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, I honestly, yeah, I like those sort of things, but it's different sort of context. And and then I would say um, now as we keep talking, I keep coming. Uh, I Some of the things that I've done to kind of like focus and given the, that downtime, the check-in time, you know, has been, you know, these in-person events, like the Chiang Mai event that was held by Brittany Taylor and Connor McMillan. They have their own lifestyle businesses, one regarding uh, uh, simplifying your life from minimalism. The other mm-hmm. one's about, you know, about self-love and creating authentic relationships, starting with yourself. I mean, the location Indy had their Max X or like their experience in Querétaro. You know, they brought 40 of us mm-hmm. together from the same community. Wow. We hadn't met, but it's like, I mean, even just the journey out there, it just started to create like, you know, okay, I'm going to somewhere like, there's a specific purpose. Yeah. And you might not know all the details. It was just a break away from your status quo or what you live on a day-to-day. I don't want to say yeah. status quo because that's a different definition for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, from your day-to-day living yeah. that creates a space to, you know, go a little bit deeper Maybe just, you know, take that pause and reflect right as internal of the TV right away. Just be like, okay, like I'm here. What is the day going to bring? I need to find a barbershop. Uh, get yeah. my orange juice from this place. I should run before it gets too hot. And then we have a meeting. Okay, cool. So you have a little bit of the known you can control. And then somebody unknown, that you'll see where it takes you. change the, the whole, right? whole plan anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that led me to my stay in Mexico for three months. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, my friends, Cassie and Nate, they, they filmed the event, participated mm-hmm. in it, they're members of the LI. Mm-hmm. They were going to go on and leave Mexico for three months, partially for some filming contracts that they, they, had, they had to you know, do outside of the US, some travel and visit family. But then that provided me the opportunity to test what I was doing online for income, you know, digital marketing, picking up clients, working on Upwork. Yeah, and even the teaching English online. I had just picked it up in 2018 over the winter, and it was one of those courses that I, I picked up um, during the whole like Black Friday, you know, extra, you know, sale yeah. extravaganza, you know. Yeah, go go go. <laughs> yeah, here I am buying digital products. All right, woohoo! I bought all this stuff, but it's nothing physical. Like, all right, because I got to study now. <laughs> I have to watch the videos now. You know, like I need to set well, up my hosting now. I love all this as a a bit more of a minimalist that I've turned into in combination with the whole ally digital nomad lifestyle, you know, the minimalist kind of makes sense in that, that all this online stuff. Yeah. It's like, for example, with a book or something that a digital copy, it's so much, so much nicer 
but not as <laughs> at the same time you don't get that physical satisfaction but you get there <laughs> yeah. so with all these different things were you doing them all at the same time or were you kind of doing like swapping between them like from one uh, there, to the next or there were there was some overlap like as i was uh when i was in las palmas i was phasing in digital marketing on top of the drop shipping i was doing so i actually did a sprint like a focus 50 was it a sprint 55 or so it was 55 hours yeah and you worked on one project mm-hmm. and you had coaches and you checked in with at the end periodically throughout the day but your goal was to get you identify the goals in the beginning and your job was to make progress towards that goal and then pivot wow. when you needed to pivot mm-hmm. and then ask for help when you needed to ask for help yeah and And so then I just focused it all on, on revamping my my eBay store. And that was great, you know, hey, you know, it got me some sales and whatnot, but it was like the that experience was amazing and I batched all the work I needed to get done during those 55 hours beforehand so that I can just focus on there and then continue with digital marketing work for my clients, you know, like after that. And then in Mexico, the overlap was between the digital marketing I was doing and starting to teach English online. because oh perfect because you know it's it's a central time zone they give me a couple hours more than being on the west coast you know for teaching yeah. english to you know children in china online that west uh, coast is crazy yeah. what is that like a 3 a.m. start yeah somewhere like that there. like yeah the, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm 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 good uh, so those two overlapped in, in uh, when i was in merida and the goal there was to accomplish several things one was to test out these location independent revenue streams to explore this area in Mexico and you know see my likes and dislikes yeah. I was going to learn something from it could I do what I love there and still have a quality mental health and that last portion is what started to decline because I can eat oh no so I was learning a new skills I dove into learning how to code like learning oh, how to code wow. from scratch um, yeah. through a program with codingphase.com So I had some work, I had some learning, I had some work and I had some running and then of course you're in a new area. So then you, you go out, you meet people and stuff like that. However, it's so hot over there. Oh my god. It was like the hottest summer they've ever had. Oh, wow. And so like teaching English online also cut into the time available to go run. Because once 8:30, 9:00 a.m. hit, it was oh, like Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were talking 32 to like 42 degrees Celsius. So it could be anywhere from like you know 91 to like 110 maybe yeah. one day got up to almost 120 out there and then heat headaches and then it, even just staying on an extra half hour would put me into like a hyper dehydrated state so that yeah. I would I'd be battling the rest of the day just to get back to baseline yeah most people don't want to even leave the house at that you know <laughs> or unless they're going to the beach or some water area they'd like yeah. run um, once that became evident and that had a trickle down effect because then it also affected how I looked at digital marketing mm-hmm. and some of the things that I didn't mind back home I would always say yes to like different projects that my client would bring up and do like oh yeah sure 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 even ignoring the fact that in my contract I was working outside of the contract mm. or maybe that you know maybe you know the intent that uh, my client had was actually to bring me more in-house rather than as a consultant that was kind of like the path that might have been at play but I was like I couldn't call the question because I was just oh yes 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 mm-hmm. I was just moving from from one thing to another just get as much done but really ignoring the impact that was having on me mentally and and stress wise and and that's where like again podcasts 
and I was driving for Uber and Lyft a little bit less now. So I will, yeah. I will reduce it once the income was higher off in my online work. And yeah. when it was lower, then I will ramp it up to kind of meet the means. So I will listen to podcasts regarding the industry. And this New York show brought on this gentleman that uh, became a mobile notary. And it was a recommendation from one of his writers. And so then he dove into like how he got started and where he, he was now. And then he's, he's now making six figures because he was a mobile notary. Now he has his own signing service, which is where title companies and mortgage officers, when they need a notary, they might partner up with a service to, to connect them with a notary public yeah. in the area where the house signing is happening. Yeah. But then that's almost like a passive revenue stream because he makes a, a little bit from each signing and the most of the money goes to the notary. He's built an entire business off of it. And he, you know, he has some health conditions. He has four kids. He, you know, he lives in yeah. Napa. Again, not a cheap area. And he hustled. And I was like, okay, that could be an option. And then when I looked at how much I was earning online from digital marketing, I was like, you know what? I do have an all clause in my contracts. If I execute that, then that means I have to do something else to replace that income and yeah. not just drive. But then that just defeats the point. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going for it. So I crafted a separation clause in the contract, 30 days notice. Of course, you know, you know, you know like my client accepted it and whatnot. And then just finished up that, tied it with a bow, signed, shipped, delivered. And then I bought the course to start getting my certifications and taking the tests. And by September 30th, I confirmed as a notary public. Did my first signing on November 13th. Because then there are some startup costs. So it's not, you know, you're going to make money quick, you know. It's not like you, you know, you sell a product online and then you got a margin. And it's like, you know, I had to you know, buy a printer. I had to buy my notary stamp. I had to get my notary journal. I needed to get paper, toner, the cost for, you know, the applications, the classes. I feel like I mostly know what the notary work is, but I'm not sure if it's because we don't have it here in Australia. It's not as common, but would you be able to explain a, a bit more what it is exactly? Yeah. So like a, a notary public can take different interpretations of different countries. For example, yeah. like in Mexico, it's almost equivalent. If, actually, you're basically an, an attorney in Mexico. If you're a oh, wow. In the US, a notary public verifies their identity, administers oaths. For example, it could be even like a school they need to get like this document notarized so their kid can go on the, on an extended day uh, field trip. Yeah. They might be going to a camping trip. So they might need to get that notarized. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll go to the notary public and, you know, something, you know, a lot of UPS stores or like a FedEx, uh, definitely UPS stores, shipping stores will have employees that are notary publics. Attorneys yeah. will also have notary public commissions as well or paralegals. Because yeah. when you take these positions, those are done under oath. And so then a notary might be asked to notarize that oath or other legalese. I did a notarization for a gentleman that was in an asbestos case. To verify his identity, watch him sign the documents. I provided the notarization. I acknowledge that so-and-so is who he says he is, but I, I just do not attest to the how truthful the document is, like, like the contents, right? They could be lying in there, but I don't know. But I can verify that he is who he is and I can prove that and I give my stamp and then boom. It's also a, another niche, which is what I practice, real estate loan signings. So in the States, um, there needs to be an independent third party 
when something happens to a property, where it be a, a purchase, a refinance, a loan modification. So an independent person has nothing, they're, they're not on the document, they're not benefiting from that in any which way, shape, or form. And so then I would, on top of uh, verifying their identity and notarizing with my stamp four to five documents within that, but I'm also guiding the signer through the documents to make sure that they fill out information that needs to be filled out, that they initial needs to be initialed, and yeah. provide general description. So mainly it's like I'm familiar with the documents. If they have a question, if it's regarding the loan numbers, uh, yeah. I ask them, just call your loan officer. But if it's something that's within the documents, oh, that question, the answer to your question is it's in section B of this clause. There it is. By the time a notary is there to conduct the loan signing, everything's already been discussed. So I'm pretty much verifying that the social security numbers are correct, the loan amounts are correct, the lenders are correct, that they're vesting on the deed of the property is correct. Because if mm-hmm. not, I got to call title and just be like, hey, client A says, this, actually, this happened last week. That the wrong year for the certificate of trust. And they're like, oh, hold on. Let me make a phone call. They call the lender. They go to that. And they're like, oh, okay, fine. They can do X. Have them do this and that. Yeah. Cool. And so then I instructed the signers to do X and Y. They did it. Yeah. We're good. So that's the role of a signing agent. And yeah. for that, uh, working, say, I go through like a, a middle person. In this case, it's called SnapDoc. So it's, like kind of, it's kind of like the Lyft or Uber for mm-hmm. real estate loan signings, huh, where yeah. the, in the, the entity that needs a notary, they'll, they'll go to SnapDocs, they'll enter a zip code. Yeah. And then there is going to populate all the notaries in that area. And it'll have mm-hmm. all my certifications, my credentials, my number of signings, and then they can see reviews. And then they select their notary based on whatever criteria they need. Yeah. I speak Spanish. So... Um, Oftentimes I get hit up just because, you know, I can also do the signings in Spanish. Especially uh, in the U.S. I've got a lot of Spanish speakers. And is there a lot of Spa- Spanish speakers, at least in your, I mean, obviously different parts of the U.S., but in your area that their English isn't as great. Therefore, that, that's why they w- would like a Spanish speaker. Correct. Yeah. And, and sometimes yeah. It's, it's the real estate agent because, okay. you know, they're, they're, they're looking out for their client. Yeah. And what's what's going to make their client? Sometimes it's just a matter of that that they have someone that can speak in their language. Yeah, and it's like yeah, they it's, might it's, have perfect English, but just that extra that, level of comfort. Exactly, you took the yeah. words right out of my mouth. It sounds a bit like it's almost like almost there to cross all the T's, dot all the I's, make sure that everything's in place. But do a lot of these sometimes it requires this sort of work, or is it like so like someone like yourself? Do they? require it or is it more to make sure that it's okay or well, depends on the specific work obviously but for like the the loan well, signing when, I, when, and, when, it, when it comes to real property like like houses whether it be a residential or commercial it's required okay yeah which makes sense i so guess like, rather like than because someone might get jibbed or you know a clerical error that you know completely screws people's lives up and, so. and that's why i i mean i carry errors and omission insurance to protect myself up yeah. to like a hundred thousand dollars i mm-hmm. mean in the future it might increase that we'll see depending on the relationships i build through the platform given the signing i can depending on the type of signing like there's equity length of credit there's loan modifications there's the seller side of, mm-hmm. of, a, of a house purchase there's the buyer side of the house purchase and so each of those has a different 
value. So and if where the lowest end will probably be $30 that I would end for like a loan modification. The highest I've earned for an individual signing has been 150. And, and most of these take about an hour to an hour and a half, so depending oh. on like the questions or yeah, yeah. Sometimes it just depends on, on like the number of questions that, uh, that the client asks and if I have to call who gave oh, yeah. me the assignment or further up the chain, you know? But as an independent, you can also market to escrow officers and those are the people that work for the title company. Yeah. Title companies receive all the information and distribute all the information and funds. They're like the, they're like air traffic control. And so going direct, as they call it in the industry, one can earn... 150 to 300%. Wow. So I'm in the phase where I'm, I'm approaching my 100 signing. That will happen sometime in the next two weeks. Um, very exciting. Yeah, very, very exciting. I have conference coming up at the end of May, which may be postponed to later towards the end of summer, depending on what happens you know, with the coronavirus um, and what the local governments and public health say you know, we should be doing, depending on if we're flattening the curve or not. But then, like, uh, I think I'm going to move the target date to start going direct to my birthday, so which yeah. is July 30th. So technically, the first day that I'll start going and marketing direct would be July 31st. So I kind of pushed that number back just because of what's happening now and how okay. if we go to, if the entire, which I don't foresee, you know, the entire banking industry getting shut down, but that would affect, you know, Notary work because if the entire banking system is shut down, then loan signings are halted, and that's part of the, the mechanism that makes notary public so important at this time. Is because essentially these loans that have been worked on for the past thirty to forty-five days that are coming to a head. They have to get signed because if someone's refinancing their home and they can save two to three hundred bucks a month, and not worry about a payment this month. They make their first payment in May or their first payment in June. Then that means they now have moving forward an extra three to $400 that they can apply to something else. Whether it be, you know, like groceries, whether it be taking care of another bill, whether it be to just save that money because while the stimulus, you know, comes in or, or the, depending on each individual situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the future, I mean, when you look at real estate, it's the fourth largest asset class in the United States. And it's also the mechanism which in 2009 was a part of getting out of the Great Recession through what the Federal Reserve, the Treasury, and banks in partnership did to increase uh, refinances and loan signings to then free up capital for people's lives so then they can then spend it in the economy. And that's the path we're heading to now. It's just, well, we'll see, you know, how much, I mean, right now it's like, if what was done in 0809, if it's going to be done again, once this uh, pandemic passes, then loan signing agent work is going to skyrocket. Yeah, definitely. And as my, and as my business coach said, like the, the only bad time to be a loan signing agent is when the economy is flat, no growth, no decline. But if the economy is a downward trend or an upward trend, notary work increases yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah because so you could be look at you know the, in the economy the dials are being turned yeah to get yeah. enough and that's when that's when you need it with your selling buying whatever whatever yeah. actual you know because yeah, then that, that frees up money yeah. in the economy what's called liquidity you know yeah. so then you know and yeah, so yeah it's otherwise be, it's just sitting still waiting for those ups and downs there's mm, a few things that uh, yeah the one can done to spur activity in the economy and yeah. 
just happens to be real estate is one of those major avenues that has worked before. And then uh, we shall see moving forward. My whole goal within all this is to also create time or in charge of my time that I am. I mean, we're, we're here today because my notary work allowed me to create the time. And I was like, oh, I was going to take a day off from doing any notary work today. Let's sit down and have a chat. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And then in the future, it'll be like, okay, let me get back to learning how to code and start building other mechanisms online. So that's another so, aspect that notary work is serving for me is to create that space while I also pay down debts and yeah. start investing and just end up creating some of that passive income through investing. Do you want to be doing this for a while longer or is that more a short-term endeavor? Time will tell. When I started in November, I was like, oh, like holy smokes. I had to slow down because I made, I think I made 990 in loan signing invoices. I was like, holy smokes, this is bananas. I've only been on for 16, 17 days and I almost made $1,000. Wow. So in the first month, I replaced one of my contracts. And in December, you know, it was fifteen hundred. Yeah. January was less because I was planning for my trip, just you know, dotting yeah. the I's, crossing the T's. I had yeah. to change my alternator. So then, you know, January was kind of like a wash. February was reintegrating, ended up making seventeen hundred. Mm-hmm. And then this month, you know, I topped out at just over two thousand. Wow. And I'm just like, wow. Like okay, okay. So I'm like, at first I was like, oh, let me just pay off my debts, become a web developer, and then go with that. But now I'm just like, you know, maybe this can stick around a little bit longer. So we'll see. I mean, all of this year, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, 2020 is a year to tackle aggressively my, my consumer debt. You got about yeah. you know, 10 G to pay down. I just paid off my auto loan. No. So that frees yeah. up $265 a month so that I can start tackling the next debt that I want to focus on the yeah. combination of different methods that are out there. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I love kind of listening to the way you look between like work and stuff. It's very different to the way I do. Cause you know, you've, you seem to have a bit more of a focus on one thing at a time, at least work wise. Obviously you got in that work, you've got a lot to do with it. You know what I mean? Like it's not just one task. You know, like when you were saying with the, your transition sometimes you're transitioning between them whereas me i'm like got probably about five projects right now going you know what i mean do you feel that um that's kind of a natural thing for yourself that you choose the one or you just you feel like when you get more than one you get a bit overwhelmed or don't feel like you like actually go after that project or whatever it is to yeah, the I fullest think- I think here I gotta I gotta lean on a, on a couple of things. One, the combination of trusting my gut. When I don't trust it, it's been bad news. And the other is trail running. Because I say out there, if I'm focusing on too many things at one time, I'm gonna fall flat on my face. A rock, you know, doesn't care what your income is or how you earn it or or what you're thinking about. If you hit it, you're going down. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, and that's like a rude awakening. Like, oh, okay. I saw that coming. I was yeah. worried about X when I should be just focused on the trail in front of me. It's almost like that saying where like kind of the, the analogy of when you're driving your car at night and you've got your headlights mm-hmm. and you don't question what's three miles down the road. You know that if you just focus on the piece of road that your headlights cover and you're moving forward. And, I, that's, and so. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's kind of been picked up, running reinforced, listening to different podcasts, you know, the same messages come through to different voices of like, you know, uh, of like that focus. But like, you know, I had to make a pivot at some point. Yeah, exactly. And I was doing several things at once, you know, with the digital marketing, teaching English online. I was one foot in, one foot out with the eBay drop shipping, creating little side websites for like local race directors. And, and it's just like, you know, what the hell? So I had to, you know, make the pivot, pull back. That's not working out. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it totally is like, you know, trial and error. I mean, there, there could exactly, be periods of time sure. where, where yeah. you, can, you can have you know, your hands in different things, keeping different plates spinning at the same time, but it's hard to do that forever. You yeah. know, a, a yeah. certain time, you either yeah. got to shut something down or build a team around it. So you're just checking in. That's a fair point. Yeah. While you tend to what needs to be tended to, it all comes crashing down. And then you're like, oh, crap. You're like, where's my peace go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing the pivots between the different work, did you ever kind of question, like, really? Like, oh, do I really want to leave this? Or was it kind of more like you were saying, following your gut? Well, sometimes it's hard to yeah. leave something and yeah. not because part of it, because like you've already built it. I get comfortable with that. Right. I've already built that. And then there's the other part that's like a little bit that can kind of be addicting. And yeah. that's where like Lyft and Uber comes in. It's a gamify platform. And I go like, well, I can just deposit right now. I made 150 today. I can deposit that right now. Maybe wait till I have 500. I make my payday. Once I saw seeing the decline in ride share, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, time to pivot. Step back yeah. from this. Doing a little bit of deliveries and then I started picking up more uh, loan signing assignments. It's sounding a little bit of that self-reflection as well. So not just in the way you are, but also what you do. Like, okay, hang on about yourself and the world around it. Just keeping vigilant, especially in this day and age, remembering that we can change whenever we want. It's not that hard what's best for you and in the world. And it's put me in a position where like, look, my stepfather, like once the, on March 16th, that press conference laid out that we're going to be sheltering in place, that uh, no gatherings, you know, more than 50 people, and then went down to 25, and then down to 10, that restaurants will only be doing takeout or delivery. Once that went down, my stepfather works at a restaurant. He used mm-hmm. a dishwasher there. When I came home, I was like, stepdad, call work, see if you're getting laid off. So just let them know that if that's the case, should you apply for unemployment? Because then that'll give you the answer if it's going to be more than three weeks. Then I helped him fill out his unemployment form. Yeah. My mom helped him fill it out on, on, on personal paper. And then I took that and I submitted it online. Boom, it's in even before the stimulus discussion we're going through, but that's in. But now let's say if me being the only son, well, my <laughs> stepfather, through him, I have two other stepbrothers here in the US. But like with them, like if there's some kind of financial shortfall, I pick up more loan signings. The responsibility of you know, paying for more of the mortgage will shift over to me because I can yep. still grow my income because I'm an essential worker because mm-hmm. of a decision that I made in August to pivot away from client work and seeing the potential and becoming a mobile notary signing agent. So it's kind of set me up to lend a greater hand. Yep. But if we don't need to, cool. Uh, just, you know, yeah. All the yeah, guidelines, exactly. the first week of the month tends to be slower anyways. So I got my little goal for the first week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend more time like reflecting and just putting the intention out there, you know, 
number one's intention for this year is just envisioning the day when I am debt-free, like consumer debt eliminated. Yeah, you know I mean? nice. Yeah. Well, where I want to travel, you know, I envision myself being an expat at some point in time. The way my life has taken, I definitely know I can count on my mother and my stepfather and my stepbrothers. Aside from that, those are the only people that I can count on. And if my mom and stepfather are gone, then there's nothing holding me to a life in the U.S. So this building of income streams and skills that I can take all over the world becomes my path to living abroad. I don't know, nine, 10, 11 months of the year basis. Yeah, amazing. Uh, the exploration of Mexico, exploring Thailand, exploring the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, spending time in Las Palmas, taking little notes, mental notes of mm-hmm. what I enjoy about the community. I love community. And if I can run even better. And then that longer goal, this new decade, you know, I started jumping into the FIRE movement. So that's a financial independence, retire early. I don't really put too much attention to the retire early portion, but that, that financial independence portion, yeah. it, it has my attention. Because financial independence, financial flexibility, financial freedom, being able to pivot just makes you more resilient. The community, much like with Location Indie, is very supportive. They get community. They understand that they're a larger part of society, may see things differently. But there are also a lot of people that are resilient. And there's elders there to, you know, to glean from. How do they get out of 87 recession? How do they get out the crash of, you know, 01, 08? And also to know that even though we won't have been on this earth for X amount of years as individuals, but there's this greater connection to the universe that we've all been here before. There has been crises, there has been pandemics, there have been crashes, you know? It's a different mechanism now and how it's spread is is very different. Whether or not our country were prepared to handle that, that's going to be reviewed once we get through this. But the actions, you know, that we take right now I had this quote from Emiliano Zapata. It's been on my head since, you know, last few days. He goes, it's better to die on your feet than to live on your knees. Wow. Wow. I love it. That's my MO. I'm going to be on my feet. What would you recommend to people, especially in, in this current situation, who are probably maybe like your stepfather, who are in this situation where they're not sure about work and they're maybe looking at pivoting, what would you recommend when then if the people who are really unsure about that? I mean, first up, talk about it. We're stay at home, right? But it doesn't yeah. mean you can't connect with people and have these talks. You know, sometimes we avoid these hard conversations. And it doesn't say that they're hard, but they're, you know, they're revealing. It forces us to be a, a bit more open, a little bit more vulnerable. And really, like, we're all vulnerable right now, whether we want to show it or not. You know, there's something that's minuscule that has traveled the entire world and is attacking the people we have been taught to protect. Wow, I never thought about it that way. And then it's making people vulnerable that all different spans of health and fitness and age. So taking it from there, it's like, ask yourself the question, could I share with a friend or maybe three friends on Zoom or on Google Chat? on Facebook Messenger, you know, like, hey, you know, like, what are you guys doing to get around this? How are you guys coping? What have you guys done? Like, I heard, I heard this, you know, like banks right now, give them a call. If you're going to see yourself that you're going to be in economic, going to be in some dire straits, you know, tighter budgets, start having that conversation now. 
of what's available out there. They don't want to lose you as and, and your mortgage. You know, it's, it's not the time no. to like be kicking people out of houses. Same thing comes with like credit card companies. They want to get paid. They don't want to sell off a defaulted payment to some private company. They exactly. much rather make the interest off of you. Mm-hmm. So they might be more, you know, flexible. But again, you know, you got to initiate the call. It would even be like, you know, jotting down like all your expenses. What's a must expense and what's like, you know, uh, you know, maybe I can eliminate that expense. That's a pen and paper task, you know, mm-hmm. or even just to see like what date of the month does that payment come out, you know, because everything's all like subscription or like auto pay and whatnot. Yeah. And before, you know, so then you wake up like, oh, wait, wait, when did that money leave? Like, well, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Duh, I did sign up for that on auto pay, you know? Exactly. And I was planning to just do it that once, you know? <laughs> Been there for six months. <laughs> and, and when it comes up to like, you know, in terms of income capacity, if there's something, you know, like that people have been dying to do, but didn't feel they had enough skills for it. I mean, there's tons of platforms to start increasing that skill. And even now um, there's so much online and people offering at the moment, the free stuff to at least dabble in yeah. to, you know, get your feet I mean, wet and then, you know go from there even like the just even if it's just two things one would be like finding the way to reduce your expenses see which phone calls you can make to maybe put them on pause or defer them or whatever programs they might have for a tough economic times and then the other would be to you know reflect you know like from like how we're feeling to like you know what we enjoy doing i mean that's stuff that is like we have plenty of time right now to yeah. you know, ask questions, reflect. Sometimes, you know, like, oh, learn a new skill. But then if, if you're not mentally there, then, you know, that can just add to the potential anxiety that someone might be feeling. Just acknowledging, you know, whatever you're feeling. You know, it's okay. In trail running, actually in running in general, sometimes you're feeling great during a race and all of a sudden some niggles pops up. What the hell is going on? Like, I'm on clip, I'm going to PB, you know? And I would tell some of my, you know, my teammates, like, you know what? Whatever's bugging you, why don't you let the area of your body know that it has a choice not to hurt as well? And anxiety, I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but mm. maybe that anxious, whatever's, you know, getting that sensation, well, that sensation also has a chance to not be around today. Like anxiety, you know, you can take a break today. How about you take a day off? Yeah. Let me invite you to a glass of wine, you know, or, you know, let's have some fresh fruit and stop being anxious. And uh, let's be more, I don't know, whatever is the opposite of anxious, you know, happy. You know, Calm. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, let's let's work on balance today. Especially if you're stuck at home and out of your norm. I like the idea of you were saying of trying to figure out what you like and you know that what interests you and what you need personally to go. Okay, whether it's exercise or even just relaxing and watching Netflix, because maybe you haven't done that for a couple of weeks. You've been stressing too much. Just take that time to actually reflect in what you actually want. Something that I'll turn into some horoscope channels on YouTube, you know, cause you know, like, Hey, why not? Let's see what the cosmos is saying. You know, what are the planets doing? A little tongue in cheek. Right. But at the same time, like, you know, like hmm, if yeah. something catches your attention, like, all right, well, okay. You know, if that helps you, you know, you know, make sense of things a little bit or to just be like, okay, it's okay something major was going to happen anyways, and it's this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel like it was always going to happen. 
sooner or later with the way with the connection of the world and you know but hey <laughs> uh so until like break the ice and just have a little haha that uh that maybe you know mother nature just like you know went to father time was like dude hold my beer let's see how the earthlings handle this you know and part of it's like you see the pollution going away you know over china over Go, Italy. Right. you see like coyotes now hanging out in different places deer exploring cities Wow, you know, you yeah, see yeah, yeah. fish now back in, in the canals of Venice. You can almost say that uh, the earth is kind of healing itself during yeah. these two, three, four, five months, however long it lasts. Exactly. So the biggest pollution sort of thing is the aeroplanes as well. And they're on halt. Like the whole climate crisis sort of stuff is being like severely improved for a moment in time. It's just absolutely crazy. Interesting phenomena. Yeah. Changes are coming. Yeah. But the thing is, I always felt like something like this was coming as, I mean, you see all the movies and stuff, but, you know, but the thing is, it's like the more we're connected as people through um, aeroplanes and this, no matter how far away we are, if we're connected physically, these viruses and things, they're going to spread quicker. See what happens in the future. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Yes, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, whether it's for, I guess, the notary work, if they're around your area or anything, follow your path. Is there anywhere people could go? Or On Facebook, I'm Isaac R. Medrano. Instagram, I have a couple handles, Isaac R. Medrano and The Journey of Isaac. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, have to, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know it would be the other one, so I have to get on and follow there. <laughs> yeah. oh, awesome. Well, thank you. We'll chat soon for sure. We'll get into a Spanish practice as well. <laughs> Eso, así me gusta. Hay que practicar. Sí, obvio. Oh, come here. Español chileno. <laughs>